We have made it to game week, everybody. Uh, congratulations, Colorado coming to the Carter this Saturday at 11 a.m. One aspect of this game from TCU's side of it. Uh, Colorado's offensive coordinator, Sean Lewis, former head coach at Kent State, left a head coaching job to come be the offensive coordinator for the Buffaloes. What kind of offense does he run? What challenge will it present for Joe Gillespie and company? We'll talk about that next on Locked on Horn Frogs. You are Locked on Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. That's right, Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox. I subscribe to our YouTube channel. I put out this goal like last week. I was like, hey, let's try to get to 800 subscribers. Before kickoff against Colorado, we were at 7.98 last I checked. Um, so we're right there. It's really exciting. We're two away. I think we can make that happen in the next six days. I hope so. Continue to subscribe if you uh, if you haven't. That'd be great. Um, you can also subscribe to the show wherever it is you get it on. You know, it's audio platform. Audio version of the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those different places as well. Uh, give yourself high five, TCU fans. Pat yourself on the back. We have made it. To game week. It's been a long offseason since the Frogs walked off the field, um, unfortunately, with red confetti falling down after losing to Georgia in the national title game. And this team with a lot of new faces, they are ready to uh, get after it again um, under Sonny Dykes in year two. How will they follow up what was an incredible run from last season? And we've talked about this Colorado game a lot. Obviously, like the Deion Sanders angle is going to dominate most of the media coverage. He's an exciting dude. Um, he's done a really outstanding job bringing in a lot more talent to this Colorado football team. As Colorado fans will tell you, this is not the same team that TCU played last year that went 1-11. They're significantly more talented. My question about Colorado has mainly been um, how are they going to gel together, right? Like how are they going to find a way to be a cohesive team going into their first game under a new head coaching staff and really an entirely new roster bringing in so many transfer players. And, yes, TCU is also um, bringing in a lot of new players, especially on offense. Chandler Morris taking over from Max Duggan, new running back with uh, um, Monty Bailey and Trey Sanders, a pretty new-look wide receiver room. But for the most part, this, these are guys that are in year two of a system where they got a lot, a lot of reps last year. There are some transfers that are in important roles, but it's not you know nearly as many as Colorado is taking in and – um, nearly as many players that are having to step in and be the guy immediately. But this is a very different team. And one challenge that TCU is going to have to, you know, find out how to work around and figure out is just the aspect that there's not a lot of film on this Colorado team. That's useful. Uh, Sonny Dyke said this in an interview with 365 Sports last week. He was like, listen, there's there's nothing from last year's Colorado team that we can put on film and watch and glean any insight from. Right. Like it's not only the fact that they have a new coaching staff, but brand new personnel. We don't know how they're going to use uh, these players in new personnel groupings, how they're going to try to um, use their talent. And so there's there's nothing to gain from watching that tape. Um, and one one aspect of this game that I want to focus on today is one of the big hires that Dion made in the offseason was he got Sean Lewis um, from Kent State, who was the head coach there to be his offensive coordinator. And I didn't know a ton about Sean Lewis when he took the job. 
Um, honestly, I'm not watching a lot of Kent State football, but I do remember people, like really smart people around college football saying, this is a big move. This dude's really smart. Uh, he's done a great job uh, at Kent State with their offense. And the last few years, they put up some points. They averaged 33 points a game in 2021. Last season, they averaged 29 points a game. Um, and they put up big numbers. And so I wanted to like really focus in on, okay, who is Sean Lewis? What does he do on offense? Uh, because that is something, I mean, like it's going to be a completely different team. You know, Shador Sanders playing quarterback um, and, and a lot of new guys at skill positions. So you don't know exactly how they're going to use their personnel, but you can watch what he was doing at Kent State and try to understand, okay, what does he like to uh, focus in on? How does he try to put the defense in conflict? And how could he take those concepts and bring them um, to Colorado? And it was really intriguing when he made that decision because, as I said, G5 head coach who, I mean, his teams were mainly 500. Like his first season they went 2-10, and 10, but then they turned it around in 2019, went 7-6. and six. 2020, they went three and one. It was a COVID year. Like, can't really discern anything from from that season. Uh, 2021, seven and seven. 2022, five and seven. So overall, 24 and 31. Not the most impressive record in the world, but did get that team to where they were playing 500 football. And considering he took over a group that was two and ten, that's pretty impressive. Um, and also, the main thing is here. It, it seemed like his downfall at Kent State, if you want to call it that, or the issue that he ran into Kent State was that they struggled defensively. And he's not going to be focusing on the defense at Colorado. He's going to be exclusively focusing on the offensive side of the ball. So what does he do well? And Sean's background, um, he spent time with Dino Babers, both at Bowling Green and then at Syracuse as co-offensive coordinator. Um, and so Dino Babers spent time at Baylor coaching under Art Bryles, and he was a wide receivers coach and quarterbacks coach for the Bears. Uh, for a few seasons before getting that job at Syracuse. So this is, you know, the old, I guess what they want to call the veer and shoot, you know, the the offense that Art Bryles made popular from 2010 to 2015 at Baylor that put up a lot of points. Uh, so the first thing that you notice about this is that they're going to go fast. There is a fast tempo to what they want to do on offense. They're running the play. They're going to have to line. They're not allowing you to sub. They're running another play. You know, they want to get that first first down and then get going. Um, and it's going to be really hot on Saturday, and both these teams are going to be moving at a quick pace. We, we expect Kendall Bryles uh, to have a tempo in this offense. We've heard A.J. Ricker talk about it. We've heard Sonny Dykes talk about it. Um, Sonny Dykes said we thought last year we were at our best when we were moving quickly. Um, so both these teams are moving fast, getting a lot of plays in. And one fascinating aspect of that as well is they made a change in the offseason in college football now. You know, used to the clock would stop every time there was a first down. That's not going to be the case anymore. Um, it will only stop for first downs in the last two minutes and the half in the last two minutes of the football game. And so that's going to change um, the trajectory of, of games a lot because Sonny Dykes was talking about this. He was like, listen – one thing about the clock stopping when you get a first down, if you're an offense that moves quickly and that has tempo, um, if you're down two or three scores in the fourth quarter, that's not an insurmountable lead, right? Like if you can get a lot of plays in um, and find a way to uh, maximize your possessions, then you're never really out of a football game. And, I mean – we still see comebacks in the NFL, which is going to be the model that we're moving towards now 
with the clock. Um, but these games are going to move faster, hopefully. And it's going to cut down on actual plays and possessions that teams get. So a pretty, pretty big philosophical change in the world of college football coming the season. But both these teams are going to use tempo. And, and Sean Lewis, I expect him to carry that over to Colorado. Um, another thing that you look at with this Kent State offense is they've been pretty balanced in the past few seasons. In 2022, Colin Sheely, their quarterback, had 2,109 yards passing, 59% completion percentage, 13 touchdowns, five picks. Uh, Marquez Cooper, their running back, 285 yards or 285 carries, excuse me, 1,300 yards on the year, 1,331. So they ran the ball 517 times and they uh, threw the ball 349 times. And then in 2021, which was probably his best offense that he had at Kent State, um, Dustin Crum uh, threw the ball 382 times and completed 64% of his passes. He threw for over 3,000 yards. 3,238 yards, 20 touchdowns, only six picks. And then Marquez Cooper, who I was talking about earlier, was their running back in 2021 as well, and he had over 1,200 yards on the ground. They ran the ball 647 times, and they threw the ball 405 times. So a lot of times with these you know, wide-open offenses, people think, like the misconception is, oh, they don't run the ball. But this is another offense in, in what Sean Lewis wants to do where, no, they're going to still run the football. They're going to try to be physical. Um, and a lot of what they do in the run game is based in the RPO game, so run-pass option, um, and then a lot of zone read concepts. Um, and it, it's it's about, like, manipulating the box, uh, and, and you're spreading the defense out. You're making them cover the entire width of the field. And because of that, you, you typically have favorable numbers um, between the tackles. And so there's, there's not going to be as many – linebackers up around the line of scrimmage and safeties up around the line of scrimmage because they have to account for these wide receivers that are going out in the formation. And so you use that against the defense by running the ball against a light box. And so they, they like the power read game, uh, which is, is a zone read concept where the quarterback's taking the ball, he's putting the ball in the running back's stomach, that mesh point, and then he's reading the defensive end. And depending on what that defensive end does, if he takes the running back, he's going to pull that ball and, and, you know, go up between the tackles. Um, if he decides to take the running back or he decides to take the quarterback, excuse me, then that quarterback's going to hand that ball off and let the running back do his work. Uh, they also, off that concept, have um, like a sort of a triple option concept, but it's not your traditional triple option in the run game. It's, again, the quarterback's taking the ball. He's going to put the ball at the mesh point with the running back, like in his stomach, and then he can hand the ball to the running back. He can pull the ball or – he can, he can pull the ball and run, or he can pull the ball and pop it out to the wide receiver on the outside for a bubble screen. They're going to run a lot of concepts um, where they're running quick screens, quick passes to the outside, making you cover the entire width of the football field. And found a really good video. Um, is Kent State the best offense you've never heard of um, from Vardahor Films? And it was a good breakdown of what they're trying to do in the running game with the zone read stuff, what they're doing, you know, with the quick passing game. And again, tempo, getting up fast the ball, and then they're going to take vertical shots off that. So it's a volume offense. They're trying to make you see a lot of plays, um, and they're, they want to move quickly. They want to constantly put you in conflict. A lot of what they're doing, there's different options for the quarterback on the play depending on what the defense is, is giving you. And so it's a lot of RPO, a lot of quick game stuff. Um, and it's going to challenge this TCU defense. I, I think the good news for TCU on this front 
is one, this is a really athletic defense. Um, and it, it's a defense that is is returning most of their players. So you're asking them to run sideline to sideline and pursue and make tackles in the open field. You know, that's something they can do well. Um, it it kind of plays into their strength with the athletes they have and also with some of the hybrid positionless guys they have playing in 3-3-5 where your safeties are asked to do a lot of different things, both in run support and then, you know, out in coverage. Um, also, Joe Gillespie, you know, I talked about where this offense comes from. It's part of that kind of veer and shoot Bryles coaching tree. Dino Babers, who was with Art Bryles, and then John Lewis goes and works for Dino Babers before coming to Kent State and now to Colorado. Oh, Kendall Bryles is on staff here at TCU. So, obviously, he has a great – I don't know how much preparation he's going to do with the defensive coaching staff this week, but he has a great understanding of these concepts and what they want to do. Joe Gillespie um, was at Stephenville uh, as a head coach, spent a lot of time cutting his teeth in Texas high school football. And we know at the high school level, you know, these – offenses where they're spreading you out and make you account for the entire field. Those are prevalent all over the place. Um, and he's obviously seen it at the high school level and then at the power five level as well. And so we don't know, like we don't know how they're going to use Shudor Sanders um, and some of these, all these new wide receivers and, and skill players that they have. And that will be a challenge. But as far as like the, the concepts themselves and what they want to do offensively, I think TCU should have a pretty good understanding of that. Now, understanding it and executing it are two different things. Um, but you have two really good corners in Josh Newton and Abraham who can hopefully run with these wide receivers and do that consistently. Um, I, I think the D-line is one of the big questions on this team. Uh, and defending the run game is going to be tough this week. But, I mean, the thing about it is, it's, it's obviously in part about getting pushed off the ball, but it's really more like can you find a way to pursue and get to the football and make feet and make tackles in space when you're probably going to be uh, – you have a light box against the run game. Like you're not going to have the advantage from a numbers perspective, um, and so you have to find a way to, to get off blocks and get to these running backs and make plays. And they're going to use – I assume they're going to use their quarterback – and the run game as well, because you you look at these stats and at Kent State the last few years. I mean, um, these they are not afraid to run the football with their QB in 2022. Colin Shaley was their second leading rusher, the quarterback. He had 492 yards on the ground, uh, so he was the guy behind Marquez Cooper who led the team in rushing. Dustin Crum had 703 yards rushing in 2021. So they are going to use the quarterback in the run game. And I don't think that's going to change with Shador Sanders, who's a good athlete, uh, you know, his ability to pull the ball in the zone read game and get yards himself. Uh, and then they have some passing options off that action too. So a challenge for TCU football, but I feel pretty good about Joe Gillespie and his understanding of this offense. I think there's going to be some things, like surely there's going to be some things in the first half that they they look at it and they're like, okay, we didn't expect that. Probably will get beat a few times, and then it'll be about, hey, how do we adjust? But they did that well last year. You, know, you think about the Oklahoma State game last season, Kansas State, West Virginia, all games where the defense really struggled in the first half, but then once they kind of sat down and got a better feel for what the offense was doing, they were able to settle in and make plays and not let that happen all game long. When we come back, um, an update on a couple – quarterbacks who were with the TCU program or uh, pursuing the TCU program that are getting starting quarterback jobs around the nation. That's next year on Lockdown on Frogs.
I do want to talk about one of our, one of our new sponsors, though. You see the overlay here if you're watching on YouTube, Athletic Brewing Company. We have a new segment here on Locked on Horn Frogs brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Um, it's our game changer of the week. So Athletic Brewing Company, they're doing a great job. They have changed the game in the non-alcoholic beer space. They make non-alcoholic beer that actually tastes good. Our game changer of the week, and you know, usually it'll be on Monday following a game, and so we'll have a better idea of who it's going to be. But I'm going to make a prediction here based on segment one. Our game changer of the week is going to be Joe Gillespie, the TCU defensive coordinator, and the job he is going to do against Sean Lewis in this offense on Saturday with his experience uh, understanding the concepts and the system that Coach Lewis likes to run. That's going to be our game changer of the week for TCU football. Um, and, again, Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the non-alcoholic uh, beer game. They have over 50 styles of craft, including IPAs, Golden Sours, and more. They're fit for all times, so you can drink them anytime, anywhere, and make any activity more enjoyable, uh, like watching a big game, tackling work or working out, and one of the best parts about it, no hangovers, right? Um, you can find Athletic in-store, online, and at bars around the country. Uh, I ordered some um, this week, and I'm supposed to get them in the mail today, so I'm super excited about it. I'll let you know, you know what I think about my first opportunity to taste Athletic Brewing Company. Um, first-time customers, they can use the code Locked On to get 15% off your first order. Again, that's code <laughs> Locked On at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewingcompany.com. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Athleticbrewing.com, and then you use that promo code Locked On for 15% off your first order. Back here on segment two, Locked On Horn Frogs. Um, so. Just a quick kind of a, a random update about a couple guys, one that was on campus at TCU and then one that TCU is pursuing that ended up getting starting quarterback jobs elsewhere across the country. So Sam Jackson, um, he left TCU and ended up at Cal this offseason, and Cal announced um, – Justin Wilcox there, the head coach of Cal, announced last week, late last week that Sam Jackson – is going to be the starting quarterback for the uh, for the Bears this season. And <laughs> if you got to watch Sam play over the last few years, last year he played in that Colorado game, and then he played against Tarleton. I think that was the last action he saw during the season. But he's an electric athlete. I mean, he can really run. Um, it, he just looks like he's moving at a different speed than everybody else. Um, and – Sonny Dyke said before the Colorado game last year, he was like, listen, all three quarterbacks are going to play. <clears throat> he was talking about Chandler Morris, Max Duggan, and Sam Jackson. That ended up being true. But, of course, part of that was Chandler going down early in the second half with that knee injury. Um, but I think they like Sam a lot. And there was speculation at one time about, hey, could we possibly see Sam Jackson in like a special package where he's getting snaps and doing some things with the offense um, or within the offense, uh, you know, on a short-term basis or a snap count. But that never really came to fruition. Um, it's one of those things with the portal. I mean, you can't say that it didn't work out for Sam because he's going to get a chance to start at a Pac-12 school in what will essentially be, you know, the last season of Pac-12 football. But he will get a chance to start. But at the same time, you think about what, Kendall Browse likes to do on offense and having that dual threat quarterback and having a quarterback that can run and be a factor in the run game. And man, Sam Jackson would have really fit the mold there. And I don't know, like Chandler Morris won the job last season. You know, you would think he would have been the front runner regardless of 
um, who was there as the number two or potentially number three guy. There wasn't really competition between him and Josh Hoover and then Chance Nolan. I don't think there was going to be competition there either, but Chance was only around for a few practices before he decided to move on. But it would have been intriguing to see if how how highly contested a battle would have been between Chandler and Sam just because of what Sam can bring to the table, you know, from a from an athletic standpoint and what he can do with his legs and then also has a great arm. So I'm I'm interested in seeing what he does at Cal. You know, I'm gonna keep my eye on what their offense looks like, how effective he is. Um and again, it's like you can't say that it didn't work out for him because obviously he's getting a chance at Cal that he might not have gotten here at TCU. But I, or I really would have loved to have seen, you know, what the staff thought of him, what the new offensive coaching staff thought of him when that transition happened. Because when he transferred, I believe Garrett Riley either just left or hadn't left quite yet. And so it was just one of those weird timing things. Um, Jaden Rashada has been named the starting quarterback at Arizona State. And <clears throat> strange things going on in Arizona State. So they're under NCAA investigation because of some infractions that happened during the Herm Edwards era. And, you know, you you watch, like, the NCAA is pretty toothless now. So I'm shocked at anyone who's still kind of playing ball with them. But Arizona State decided to do a self-imposed bowl ban this year. So they're not going to play postseason football this season um, in hopes that they will get, you know, some leniency or some grace from the NCAA. But um, Jaden Rashad, if you remember his recruitment, he was originally going to go to Florida was committed there, may have signed a letter of intent there, depending on who you ask, uh, but he was promised a huge NIL deal, like millions of dollars. The collective that promised him that before uh, everything went through was basically like, yeah, we can't, we're, we're not going to be able to make that happen. And so he understandably said, well, then I'm going to go somewhere else, opened up his recruitment, and TCU made a late push. I mean, they were right there with Arizona State, um, trying to get Rashad on campus and get him there. But he ends up going to Arizona State, and he was only their starting quarterback. So he's going to start for Kenny Dillingham as a true freshman, um, which is really intriguing. And so one player that was on campus here at TCU, one player that TCU was going after um, really heavily in the recruiting process, and both are going to get a chance to start at their new respective schools um, in the upcoming season. So something to just keep an eye on across the world of college football. When we come back, um, a season prediction from the new Locked On Big 12 host, and uh, we'll get some of your comments from our last uh, video on Friday or episode on Friday. That and more coming up next here on Locked On Horn Frogs. Another one of our new sponsors, Game Time. Game Time is the place to go if you need tickets, um, especially if you need tickets at the last minute. You know, finding tickets on the secondary market can be tough, it can be stressful. Where do I go to get the best deal for a TCU game, a concert, a comedy show, whatever the case might be? Game Time wants to make it easy for you. They have uh, the lowest prices, and they have great deals, flash deals, and last-minute ticket sales. And so, yet you can forget planning months in advance. They have deals on tickets right up to the day of the event for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Game Time guarantee means you always get the best price. Um, you can get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, and tickets are sent directly to your phone. I was I was looking today 
Um, tickets for the Colorado game start at $55, but, you know, the next week, that Nickel State game, <coughs> excuse me, you can get tickets for as low as 5 bucks. Um, at the moment, they're on the Game Time app. It's really easy. You just download the Game Time app today, create an account, and you use the code Locked On Locked On College. Excuse me, you'll get twenty dollars off your first order. That code is Locked On College. Redeem that today. You get twenty dollars off your first purchase. Again, download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets and the lowest prices guaranteed. Before we go, um, if you didn't know this, Locked On Big Twelve is a new host. So Josh Neighbors. Uh, was a longtime host of Locked On Big 12. He left the company and had a, kind of a gap there. But now there's a new host um, at the reins, Drake Toll. Drake Toll, who used to host the Baylor show. Um, so I know some of you TCU fans might cringe a little bit at that. But Drake's a good guy and knows his stuff. And he's funny. He's got an interesting take on things. And he's doing um, season predictions right now. And so he put his prediction for TCU football out on Twitter. He's got the Frogs going 10-2. and two which is pretty optimistic, more optimistic than most kind of national people are projecting. Um, and he went game by, by game. So he's got them beating Colorado, Nickel State, Houston, SMU, West Virginia, Iowa State, and BYU. Losses back-to-back to Kansas State and Texas Tech. And he has them finishing strong with wins over Texas, Baylor, and Oklahoma. And so, one, I think if you finish 10-2, and two, you're probably um, – playing for the Big 12 championship game, <laughs> which is really cool. It'd be great in year two of the Sunny Dykes era. Um, I need – I would like to see the Frogs beat Texas Tech. There's no game on the schedule that you're like, man, that's a game that they could lose. But Tech's one of those games I would love to see TCU get to five straight wins over the Red Raiders, um, and that would just be fun. And I would hate to lose to Kansas State too because, you know, the Big 12 championship game last season – but if they beat Texas and Oklahoma, that will make me extremely happy. Um, and so I would I would gladly take 10 and 2. But check out Locked On Big 12. Check out Drake's uh, tweet. I put it on my Twitter, at Simcox Steven. And let me know your thoughts in the comments about what you think about his season prediction. Uh, before we go, some of you commented on my last video. Um, and so I wanted to get to some of those reactions and questions. Uh, Blake said, Sonny's an underrated coach and will continue to prove his abilities with TCU. He doesn't get enough credit by surrounding himself with talented staffers. Yeah, that's right, man. I mean, I think he's a really good CEO, a really good coach, and um, I feel like he you're, you hit the nail on the head there. Like, he hires talented people and allows them to do their job, and that's one thing I didn't really put together when they made this move, um, just how good he was at that aspect of things, identifying young talent in the coaching ranks. Um, Richard Berry said, what about doing some fan interactions, maybe – have a fan on twice a month for their thoughts. Richard, I responded to that comment with my email address. If you want to email me and come on the show sometime, I'd love to have you. Um, it'd be great to get you on the show. You know, I come from a live radio background where we had callers, and so I kind of look at it like look at it like that. Um, I'm not afraid to have people on. I've had people on in the past, so sure we can we can continue to do that. I'm open to that. Um, Zoom place that he was in London with his son watching the video, and he said his son has a resemblance to Brandon Coleman. And first of all, I hope you enjoy your trip, uh, Zoom play. And that's awesome that your son resembles Brandon Coleman. If he's built like Brandon Coleman, then I hope he ends up playing at TCU one day because that's a, <coughs> a special player as an interior offensive lineman um, for TCU that shows a tackle last year. But there's speculation that he couldn't move, uh, slide into the inside, and, and be at one of the guard positions this season. 
Um, and Craig, big fan of the show. He said, Stephen's the voice of TCU. Uh, thank you, Craig. And he is encouraging people to subscribe. And I encourage people to subscribe to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let's get to 800 subscribers before the Colorado game. This has been Locked on Horn Frogs. We'll be back tomorrow. It's your team every day.